Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Jesus always starts each one of these statements, or you, maybe you've heard of them, by the way, it's called the Beatitudes, uh, but, they, but he always starts with blessed, and then he goes into what they're blessed with or, or, or what they'll experience. And, and I really love that because, first of all, there's a blessing that's attached to it. And Jesus, of course, is not talking about a hashtag blessed life. What he's talking about is a blessed life that has nothing to do with anything here on this earth. It's a supernatural kind of blessing, a blessing you only experience when you walk in and are in relationship with God. Amen, everybody? And so there's something that is, there's a blessing that is beyond this life, things that you can experience. And I love that, that Jesus says, blessed are these people for they, that, 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 that there's more to experience than what you've already experienced right now in this life. I think, I think that's good news because a lot of people, I think, come to a relationship with Jesus for the fire insurance. You don't want to go to hell, right? I don't know anybody that wants to go to hell. We want to spend eternity floating around on fluffy white clouds playing harps. Amen, everybody? That's not what you're going to be doing, by the way. That's not, I don't know where we got that imagery from. That's not, you know, we're not all going to be naked babies and, and uh, we might have skin like babies. I don't really know. The Bible says we'll be made brand new and it's not really clear what that means, but I'm, I'm praising God and believing that it ain't going to be this body, right? Woo! Come on. Get me in the Lamborghini version of this thing. You know what I'm saying? Instead of driving around a minivan. Minivans are awesome. Thank you. Hey, there's a vehicle for every woman out there. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it takes all kinds. <laughs> we're totally off the rails now. I don't even know what we're doing. Uh, no, but Jesus says there's more. There, there's more for you to experience. And he's like, if you, if you walk this out, if you'll understand this, if you'll apply this to your life, there's more than just fire insurance, which I really love. Uh, speaking of, it just made me think of it, um, we've been having power outages here throughout the week, and while we've reported them to AEP, if we have one today that lasts longer than five minutes, I'm going to pray and we're going to dismiss, okay? You need to know that security lights will come on. Our team is equipped with flashlights back in kids' ministry and in this auditorium, and we will help you safely exit the building. But please wait on my my, hey, we're going to go ahead and do this because the power goes out. I got a timer started and at five minutes we're, because it fl usually flickers off and comes back on, okay? So I don't want you to panic if that happens. Your kids are going to be well cared for. They have a plan for them. Amen, everybody? We all good? I'm just giving you a heads up in case it happens because it's been happening. Uh, I'm praying that it does not today, but uh, so if it does, but, but I get excited knowing that there is more to this life than just fire insurance. There's a full and fulfilled life. There's more to experience. And so where, what we've been looking at uh, is, is these, these nine beatitudes. We, we've talked about blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, uh, blessed are the meek, uh, blessed are those, the, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then last week, we, uh, we, we actually paused the series, but the week before that, it was blessed are the merciful. Uh, last week, we had a missionary here, and I totally enjoyed uh, our time with them and just listening to what God is doing uh, through them, but also through you, because your generosity is what supports them. In fact, we were able to write them uh, a, a $1,500 check, and we gave them a nice offering last week, and so thank you for your generosity. We gave away 100% of the offering last week, and so uh, we love doing that, supporting their work in Indonesia. Uh, but this week, we're going to pick up, and we're going to pick up number six. I believe it's number six. Yep, number six. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Some of you are like, I'm out. I guess that's not me. I'm not going to have an opportunity to do that. Because you know what I know and what the Bible tells us is that all of our hearts, like there's so much wickedness in it. So you just, maybe you already know, like, hey, I'm already out. I don't think I can do this. But hold on. I want to challenge you to stay with me here. I'm actually going to explain the last part of it before I get to the first part. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So you're like, okay, so wait. So the benefit this time is if I have a pure heart, which I know that, you know, uh, I know what's in it. And so I, I don't think that's me. I get to see God. Uh, no, let me clarify, because there's been nobody that's seen God. Now, there's been people that have seen God in visions, seen parts of him. Moses is the only one who's ever seen a piece of God. Moses, Moses was up on the mountain, and God says, what do you want? He says, I want to see you. And God says, well, you can't see me. If you see me, you're going to die. He says, so I'm going to put you in the cleft of this rock. I'm going to cover you with my hand. I'm going to pass by you. I'm going to shout my name. Not sure why he did that. And then when I get past you, I'm going to move my hand, and you can see my, the, the backside of me as, as I'm leaving, like the backside of the train of my, of my glory. Otherwise, you'll die. And so Moses did that. Most, as a result of seeing God's glory in that way, his face shone for like a really long time. People were freaked out, right? I mean, could you imagine, you know, like just walking around like you'd been at a radioactive like site with your face just like glowing? <laughs> that was Moses. He actually had to wear a veil because it freaked everybody out. So, so, no, I'm not telling you you're going to see God. What that, what that means is, is that you're going to see and or experience more of God. That, that you're going to experience more of God. So blessed are the pure in heart, for you'll experience more of God. That's, that's the invitation here. That, that if we remain in that space, we'll get more. And I don't know about you, but I'm after more of God. I want, I want to decrease and have Jesus increase in my life. I want to be more like him. I want to find ways to spend time with him. Anybody else out there with me? So this pure in heart thing is something worth pursuing. It's worth understanding that only the pure in heart will experience God in a continual and ongoing way. Now you say, Aaron, didn't we kind of cover this earlier? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Right, where we recognize that we are spiritually destitute, right? And didn't we already cover that? Yes, we did. But let me explain something to you. When you come to Christ and you confess your need for him, that is a moment. That's that Sunday morning, whether you're in a service, whether you are at home in your bedroom, it's that moment that you said, Jesus, I'm going to put my life in your hands and I'm going to trust you. And in that moment that you invited him to be your Lord. In other words, he's in charge, confessing my ways ain't no good, yours are, and I'm going to follow you. In that moment, the Bible says that God cleans us up. He gives us a brand new heart, that, that our heart becomes pure in that moment, okay? So yes, we already have. God gives us that brand new heart. It is pure. But I don't know about you, I'm, gonna guess, I'm just going to talk about myself for a minute, but when I walk out this life, I still make mistakes. Hello? And I still sin. My family's sitting right here on the front row. They can tell you. Do I make mistakes? Hush, don't tell them nothing about it. They don't need to know. Yes, Lord, he's confirming, right? We got, we got audible confirmation. God had to chime in on that stuff. <laughs> yeah. The one speaking to you is not perfect. <gasps> Shocker. I'm not. And because I walk through this life, 
I, I did get a brand new start. I did get a do-over. My slate was washed clean, and yet I still mess things up. Because while I said, Jesus, I'm going to make you Lord of my life, I live that out imperfectly, and so do you. And so we still sin. The good news is that Jesus paid for all of our sins past, but he also paid for all of our sins present. Oh, and by the way, the ones you're going to do tomorrow, he got those covered too. That's really nice. But there's a process that you and I now get invited into whereby the sins that we now commit get cleaned up, where, where Jesus deals with that. And that cleaning up process, that, that, that process is something that the Bible calls sanctification, okay? It, it's, it's a process that begins the moment that you say yes to Jesus where he cleans you up so you are made pure, right? That's the moment there. You are purified, excuse me, that's from all your past. Everything gets cleansed. Everything gets washed away, blank slate. But then there's a process where we are being purified. That's today. And then there is a day when, we'll, when we will be made pure completely. And that's the day that we get to heaven. Because the Bible says at that point, once we walk through the pearly gates of heaven, that there's no more pain. There's no more sin. There's none of that stuff that'll muck up our hearts anymore. Therefore, we are purified. We will be pure. So we've been purified. We're being purified. We will be purified. That's a process called sanctification. God is ongoing and cleaning us up. And that's what this is talking about. In order to maintain the pure heart that we have now been given, we must submit in the same way we submitted in the first place. We have to continue to submit to the lordship of Christ as he begins to purify us day by day, moment by moment, transforming our lives in the same way he did in that moment to become more like him. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now I want you to notice he says, not blessed are those in word or in deed. It's not blessed, blessed are the pure in, in everything that you say and everything that you do. That's, that's not what he says at all. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. Because Jesus' intent here is to get to the heart of the matter. See what I did there? By going for the heart. He's going for the heart. He wants it. He is not concerned about the outward nature of man. He's not concerned about things. In fact, I think today that, that in church, we get it all wrong. People come into a church service, what do we do? We hand them with a bunch of rules, which is behavior modification, and we never invite them to experience the Jesus that wants to deal with their heart, which is where all those issues flow from in the first place. We tell them it's about morality. It's about behaving a certain way. And that's not what this invitation is at all. It's an invitation to literally have your life changed from the inside out. Blessed are the pure in heart. Jesus isn't concerned with the way that you're, you're acting and you're behaving near as much as he's concerned with your heart because the ways that you're going to act, the sins that you will commit, the wayward ways in which you will walk, Jesus already paid for all that stuff. He's already paid for it all. You say, Aaron, are you just giving me a permission slip to go out and sin? No. It's a permission slip for when you do sin. Right? And I have to question, if you're looking for a permission slip to sin, whether or not you're really following Jesus or not anyway. Whether he's actually got a hold of your heart. 
Let me say it this way. God is more concerned with our inward character than our outward conduct, our attitudes more than our actions. He's more concerned with the inside than he is the outside. I had a conversation with a, with a guy recently, and he said, Aaron, he said, uh, he said, how can I serve the church? What do, you, what do you need the most? And I said, you know what I need the most? I said, I need, I need disciple makers. I need Christians who have been walking with Jesus and taking even just a step. Because let me tell you something. If you've taken even just a step and said yes to Jesus, you can help somebody who hasn't taken a step to say yes to Jesus. And every step in your walk that you have taken following Jesus, saying yes to it, you can help, them help other people take that same step. So if you started reading your Bible, you can help somebody take that step because somebody had to help you figure out which translation to read, what are there, what, how do I do it, where do I even get a Bible? You can help somebody with that. You can, you can help them take a step. So I tell them, I said, I need, I need more disciple makers. I need more people that are willing to, to invest in new Christians' lives and to help them grow closer to Jesus. And he said, ah, I don't know, man. He said, I cuss a little. I said, I don't think Jesus is near as concerned about that as you think he is. I think he's more concerned about your heart. And I think that if you'll give him your heart and you'll trust him and you'll obey him and you'll step out and you'll start making disciples and you'll get involved in what he's called you to do, I think when he becomes concerned about that cussing that he'll talk to you about it and then you can deal with it. But I don't think you need to deal with that first in order to be in a relationship with Jesus. Y'all real quiet this morning. Uh-oh, am I stepping on your religion? I apologize. God cares about your heart because he knows that if he can get your heart, that he can get it all. Jesus said this in Matthew 15, 18. But the things that come out of a person's mouth, where do they come from? They come from the heart. And these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. See, Jesus understands that the issues within your heart become issues within your life. He understands that sin starts in the heart, and it comes from the heart, and we start thinking about it. Come on, there's some of y'all being honest about some of the sin you got yourself messed up in, some of the decisions you've made in your life. It started down here. You got angry. You got upset. You decided revenge was your way, whatever it might be. And you started feeling that, and then you started thinking about that and entertaining that. And next thing you know, what happens? Yeah, then you start doing it. You start walking it out. Heart, head, hands. This is the process. And Jesus knows this. And he's saying, hey, your heart, this is where all this wickedness comes from. That's why he starts with the heart. I got, some, I got some of my beard in my mouth. I hate when that happens. I'd say we'll edit that out, but this is live on the internet. There's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> God cares about your heart. Samuel, in the Old Testament, he was looking for a king to replace King Saul. King Saul had walked far from God, had broken God's heart, and he said, Samuel, I need you to find a replacement. So he sends him out to Jesse's house. And he goes out to Uncle Jesse's house and Jesse's got a bunch of boys, and he has them pass before Samuel. Samuel takes a look at each one, and each one, man, he's like, this one, surely God, this one's got to be the one. This one's strong. He's handsome. He's got that nice Ralph Lauren robe on. You know, he's looking good. Got most of his teeth. 
kind of tall. This has surely got to be the one. And each one that passed by, God was like, nope, nope, no. Here's what, here's what the Lord said to Samuel because David, his father, didn't even consider him anybody to call. His father left him out in the field tending to the sheep. He was a young boy. Didn't even call him in to pass in front of Samuel. But each one to pass in front of Samuel, Samuel gets reprimanded by the Lord. He says in 1 Samuel 16, the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Talking about all these other sons that had walked in front of him. He said, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. People look at the way you dress. People look at the way you are. They look at your past. They look at your decisions. They look at maybe your, 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 your tattoos or your lack of them. They look at whatever. They're looking at the outward. He said, but the Lord, where is he looking? He's looking at the heart. The heart is super important. He wants your heart, and he wants you pure before him so that you can experience him all the more. Blessed are the pure in heart. To be pure in heart is to have a dirty heart made clean, an impure heart purified, and a filthy heart cleansed. Why is this so important? Why are we focused on this? This is important to God. Not that he, that he, just that he gets your heart and transforms it so therefore that your life changes. There's always, God always has a purpose. And that purpose is to make a difference in your life so that you can make a difference in someone else's life. Watch this, Paul talking to the church in, at Philippi. He says this, he said in Philippians 2 verse 15, I want you blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And I don't know if you're paying attention to what's going on in the world today, y'all, but we are in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. He says, the reason I want you, I want you this way, the reason I want to deal with this is because among them, among all this brokenness, you shine as lights in the world. In other places in Scripture, the Bible talks about us as Christ followers, as lighthouses, as a light on a hill. Do you know what a lighthouse does? It rescues people in the darkest times of their life. That's what a lighthouse does. It shines a light out so that, so that ships don't get dashed on the rocks, so that they can get to where they need to be safely. And this is what Paul wanted for his church at Philippi. And as your pastor, this is what I want for you too. I not only want your life transformed, but I want your light to shine so that it will turn people to God. So that God's light that's in you will help them. It's the only thing that matters, you know that? Why is it the only thing that matters? Because it's the only thing that's ever gonna make it to eternity. It isn't your stuff, it isn't your house, it isn't your money, it isn't your degrees, it's people. It's the only thing that matters, the only thing that makes it to heaven. Say, all right, all right Aaron, I, I, I'm in, but, but what does this life look like? What does it look like? What is a person with a pure heart who's walking through a process of being cleaned up, a person who is experiencing more of God? What, what does their life look like? And I have three suggestions for what a person's life could look like should you be walking with a pure heart, experiencing more of God. The first thing is, is that they would, have, uh, uh, they would be marked by a pursuit of God's purity. A pursuit of God's purity. These are people that are chasing after it looking for it, submitting to it, willing to allow him to clean you up, 
You're a person that is, that is, is submitted to a process, even the process that is uncomfortable, even the process that will cost you something. That, Lord, I'm committed to this, and I'm in pursuit of purity. Look it within me. Examine me. And while you do that, I'm going to trust you with that process. This is, this, this is the first hallmark, I believe, of a person that's walking with a pure heart, experiencing more of God. The second thing is they would delight in God's pleasure. Well, what does that mean? Well, that, that means that, that the stuff God cares about, you care about too. That, that, that the stuff that he's got his mind on, which, by the way, starts with you and extends to the person sitting next to you. Extends to the person sitting behind you, to the person you're at the, in line at the grocery store with, the person behind you in the Starbucks line, the person that you don't like on your Facebook account that you have blocked. Starts with you and extends to them. God cares about mankind. And he loves you, but his eyes are on the horizon looking for those that are not yet here in relationship with him. He's enamored by the lost. I heard a funny saying, if, if you had five kids and you lost one, you don't celebrate that you have four kids. What happens? Everything. Your mind is on the one that is gone. You are constantly occupied with, where is that one? And Jesus, in Luke, he gives us three stories that describe how the Father is always concerned about that which is lost. And if we are to delight our Selves and what gives God's pleasure. Do you know what God's pleasure is? Giving us a start over, bringing us into the family, having his children restored, forgiven, made brand new. He loves you, but he's looking for them. And if this is what God's delight is in, if this is what his pleasure is in, then it ought to be ours too. That if we are walking and experiencing more of God, that one of the hallmarks of that kind of lifestyle is that we would be enamored with what God is enamored with. That we would choose to leverage our lives and every part of it to reach those that are far from him. That's what it means. That, that, that God, who gave his all, because remember, he gave his son, he gave his best, that we would look like him and we would be willing to do the same. The third, the third marking of somebody that's walking with a pure heart and experiencing more of God is that they have a longing for God's presence. That these are people who, who long to be in the presence of God in whatever way that that would mean, whatever format that takes, and that they want it more than they want anything else. It's a longing for. A long, you know, the longing happens when you're not in the presence of. Because see, we walk this life and we've got work to do, we've got children to raise, we've got things to accomplish, we've got mouths to feed, we've got all these things to do. And in those moments, oftentimes our thoughts are just on those things. And so though God is what we call omnipresent, means he's everywhere, we can never not be in his presence, it doesn't always feel like it. And so we have a longing for those times when our attention is directed at him and we feel his attention on us, where we are in fellowship with him, experiencing him through worship, through, our, through, through all these different ways, right? So at Simple Church, some of the ways that I would say that, that might play out is, is man, you, you make the first 15 a priority to you. What's the first 15? Five minutes in your word, five minutes in prayer, five minutes in worship. You give God the first part of your day that, that maybe, maybe 
how this plays out is you come to love a time of prayer together. We're here every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for an hour of prayer. I'm telling you what, you're missing out. Those mornings of prayer are great. I love them. Maybe you're somebody who just goes, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I'm going to worship and I'm going to grow together. I'm going to show up on Sunday mornings. I'm going to be there in person, which I understand if you've got a physical limitation and you need to be online, and God bless you. We are glad that you're with us, but man, there's nothing like being in the building. So come on back. Amen, everybody? Come on back. We want to worship and we want to grow together. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's, it's the commitment to serve one another and to be served by one another. We've got to be in the building to do that. So, so maybe that's the markings. The, these, are some, these are what I think. Somebody who's walking with a pure heart. Somebody who is experiencing more of God. These would be the hallmarks of their lives. They aren't required things. This is not a list that I'm telling you, hey, you want to show me you've got a pure heart, do these things. No, 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 no. See, listen, I don't go up to a banana tree and tell it, if you're a banana tree, you're going to produce bananas. The banana tree produces bananas because it's a banana tree. In other words, these things that I'm saying are hallmarks, don't go do them religiously. Don't go do them because I said that's what, that's what that would look like. <coughs> do those things because that's what's in your heart to do. Do those things because you're walking with God and you have a relationship with him. And these things become a natural outflow of, those, of that thing. Amen, everybody? <coughs> I don't want you guilted or shamed or forced into anything. Do it because you love God. Do it because you want to experience more of him. Blessed are the pure in heart. So what does the sanctification process look like? What does it look like to be cleaned up? How do we do it? What, what, what does that even mean? How do we keep a pure heart? Because if we're going to sin and live in this fallen world, there's a process to it, right? And we've got to choose to submit to it. And the first thing we need to do, the, I've got three suggestions for you. To be quick to believe. That's the first one. Quick to believe. Quick to take God at his word. Quick to trust that his promises are true. Quick to trust him when he invites you to take a step of faith. That if you'll take it, he's with you. Like Peter jumping out and walking on water. Peter didn't know how to do that. But there was an invitation to a step of faith and Peter stepped out and God sustained him. Not that water. And he walked on water. By faith, he was quick to believe. Matthew 18, Jesus said, the kind of faith I need you to have is faith like a child. That, that it needs to be innocent. Because you know what? Kids believe anything. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Kids believe anything. When you tell them something's about to go down, they don't know how. They don't know why. They don't oftentimes know when. But they will believe it. I, I, I don't know if anybody has ever done this. Your kid ever come into you, they were out playing, and they came in with a cut, and you looked at that cut on their arm and said, well, this is not good. looks like we're going to have to cut it off. I've, I've never done that. I just wanted to see if you did that. <laughs> kids, kids believe. They just immediately trust. I remember one time, many of you know that, that I'm a, a sleight of hand magician, and I, do, I like to do magic tricks and stuff. Nothing, no sorcery here, kids. It's just all little tricks, all right? 
But I used to do kids' shows, and, and I got invited to go to a classroom to, to perform one day. And one of the things you need to know about me is, like, I like to know all the details in advance. I want to know what the layout is. I want to know where I'm going to be. I, I want to set everything up. Because when you're dealing with kids, kids are nosy. Kids touch things. They like to get involved. I'd, I'd be in, in a space setting up, but kids are just grabbing the stuff, and it's like, I haven't even done the show yet. I need y'all to leave me alone. And I like to get in and do that early. Well, I did this, this one uh, performance at a local school, and, and, uh, and, I, and the kids came, and I came into the classroom, and I thought the kids were going to be at recess, so I'd have time to set up and pick my spot. No, the kids were in the room. And so I had to set up, and of course, I figured out a way around all these kids touching this, my stuff and talking to me while I'm trying to get my thoughts right about how I'm going to blow their little five-year-old minds. <laughs> and the kids, were, kids are asking me questions. They're like, who? They didn't know I was a magician. They're like, who are you? What are you doing here? Why do you have that? <laughs> you know how little kids they just kind of just squirm and move. They don't even know. I'm like, do you even have control of your body? Like, what is going on? <laughs> and I looked at the kids, and I, and, I, and I just, it came out of my mouth, and I just immediately recognized my own brilliance, thank you. But I looked at him and said, I'm sorry I don't speak English. <laughs> and the kids, you heard it, roll around the room. Oh, he doesn't speak English. Oh. And then came the question, well, what, what language do you speak? I speak French. Oh. He speaks French. And they're just passing it around the room as the hush. And I'm just continuing to set up my table. And, and they said, the dawn's on them. And one of them goes, oh, we understand you. I said, you must speak really good French. They said, oh, we speak French. Like, the rotten to the core I am. I like a good joke and I like good pranks. I like to mess with kids. It's what it reminds me, I needed to show you this. Go ahead and throw, throw that up there. It says, if you, um, this is true. If you say the word oranges slow enough, it starts to sound like the word gullible. Did you guys know that? Not, not going to play? You say, and Aaron, this is why we have trust issues. Yeah, so I get why you would have trust issues with me, okay? Because I'm a prankster. I'm a jokester. I get it. But I need to invite you into a space where you understand that God's not like me. That that's not who he is. The Bible says he's not a man that he should lie. God's track record, by the way, his faithfulness is 100%. He is 100% faithful even when you and I are not. He's not like us. His word is truth. If he said it, I believe it. And that's where I need you to be. That's the invitation that even if you don't understand, you go, man, I, I'm going to dive in on this. Because when you allow doubt to rest in your heart, doubting leads to blindness. It happened to some of Jesus' disciples. After he had risen from the dead, he had appeared a couple times, and there was a couple guys walking on the road to Emmaus to join some of the other disciples, and they're talking about what had happened. And Jesus strolls up next to them. They don't recognize him because they've got doubt and they're talking about what happened. Jesus said, what y'all talking about? And they're like, Jesus, have you like, or the, not, to, they didn't say Jesus. They said to him, 
have you like been under a rock the last few days? I imagine Jesus like, well, yeah, actually, that's where I've been for the last <laughs> Tell us what happened. And so they start describing Jesus of Nazareth. He's crucified, and they explain the whole story. And Jesus says to him, eventually at some point in time, he says, in Luke 24, 25, he said, Oh, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. They're like, could he really have been the Christ? Was this really the Messiah? They would doubt it. And as a result of their doubt, they were blind to what God was doing in them and among them and for them. When you allow blindness in, you can't see where you're going. You can't get to where you ought to be. You can't even be where you, where, where, where you don't even know where you are in that moment. You're blind. But I would tell you that when you allow doubt in, you can't follow Jesus because he's going to invite you into places that are places that you only get to by faith. And that by doubt, you will remain where you are or worse. We cannot doubt that God's word is true. But we do. We doubt when he says that it'll be better. We doubt when he says that we'll be blessed. We doubt his faithfulness. We doubt his power. We doubt his ability. We doubt his goodness. We doubt his love. We doubt his intent. Second Corinthians 4, 4 tells us that in those moments that our doubt... He steps in and causes blindness in our lives. And so for you today, the challenge is be quick to believe. It's time to renounce your doubt or you'll never experience all that God has for you. Amen, everybody? You might wind up just like Thomas. Thomas was one of the 12. Jesus rose from the dead, showed up to a bunch of the disciples. Thomas wasn't there. And they start telling Thomas, and Thomas, who got the nickname Doubting Thomas, it's not in the Bible, it's just what we call him, because he doubted. He's like, yeah, I don't really believe that. So unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and unless I place my hand in his side, I'll never believe. He's like, listen, I need to see him try to hold a bag of Skittles and watch him fall through his hand, and I want to tickle his ribs, like actually tickle him because he's got a split in his side. I want to get the actual ribs. He says, that's what I want. He says, I don't believe it unless I could. That's how graphic that was. I'm going to put my finger in the holes. Oh, I'm not going to believe I'm not even willing to look at it. I want to see something pass through it. I want to see his ribs. I want to touch it. He said, I'm not going to believe. And Jesus winds up speaking to him. About a week later, he shows up. Thomas is finally in the room. And he's like, now I believe. Jesus invites him to do what he needs to do in order to have that doubt relieved. But he says this phrase that is just beautiful. He says, blessed are those who have believed and not seen. Because you know what? Once you've seen, it doesn't take faith no more. That's why Hebrews 3.12 tells us, take care, brothers, lest there be any of, uh, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. We have a responsibility to watch and guard our hearts to make sure that they remain pure. Even if you get into a place where you doubt, you can confess that doubt and say, listen, this is where I'm at. I'm choosing to trust you. I don't understand how you're going to do it, but I need you to help me with my doubt. I need you to help me with my disbelief. Oh, and I'm going to demonstrate my trust by obeying you before I understand and before I got a grasp of this with my mind. Quick to believe. You can understand it later. You need to be quick to believe. 
And if you do, you enter that process of purification. James 4.8 tells us, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Get rid of the doubt. You, you can't say you believe in God and have doubt at the same time. You need to let that doubt go. Everyone who comes to God must believe that he is. Be quick to believe. Second thing is be quick to forgive. Like, I oh, know, not this thing again. We spent six weeks talking about forgiveness. Two weeks ago, we talked about forgiveness. Now you're telling me to do it again? We got it. Do you? Well, I know you heard me. I'm not saying you didn't hear me. I'm asking you, did you act on it? Did, oh, that, that, that's harder to do. That, that's harder to do. If we're quick to believe, then we need to be quick to act. And forgiveness is one of those actions that, that in this kingdom business, you're required to do. That in this heavenly thing, God says, if you don't forgive others, he's not going to forgive you. That's a harsh thing. So where are you at with that? I had a conversation this past week with a guy who's been listening. He's like, oh, these are great messages. These are great messages. A few minutes later, he's like talking about this guy. He's like, you know, I'm never going to forgive that guy. And I thought, interesting. And I walked away from that conversation. The Lord said, <coughs> his greatest spiritual experience, his next breakthrough, is on the other side of that forgiveness. And I had to call him up and I had to tell him. I said, dude, I love you. But you're missing out. And church, I love you. But you're missing out. You want to walk with a pure heart and experience more of God? Be quick to believe. And be quick to forgive. That's what you need to do. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. He's talking to the disciples there at the church of Corinth. And he's talking to them about communion. We get this all wrong because we think it's about the way and the what they were doing with communion, which is eating the bread and drinking the wine and remembering Jesus' body and his blood. He talks about taking it in an unworthy manner. But if you look at the context of that, what he's talking about is taking it because the wealthy people could get to the dinner party earlier than the poor people because the poor people were still out in the fields working. And they would get there and they would eat all the bread and drink all the wine. And Paul says, don't you have homes that you can eat all your food and have parties and get drunk in? Don't you have places where you can celebrate? Why, when it comes to gathering together, are you allowing this division to exist? See, they were offended maybe by the smell of or by being seen with. They had allowed offense to creep in and cause a division among the body of Christ. And Paul says, as a result of y'all walking out this way, of doing communion this way, because it was about the who, taking communion in an unworthy manner, meaning leaving people out, thinking you're better than them. He said, you want to walk things out that way? He said, let me tell you something. Some of you have become weak. Some of you have become sick. And some of you have even died. Because let me tell you something, unforgiveness not only does something to you spiritually, emotionally, mentally, it does something physically to you as well. You can choose to listen to me or not. It's true. Proverbs 4.23 tells us, keep your heart with all vigilant, for from it flow the springs of life. You want life? You better protect the purity of your heart. You need to get rid of that toxicity you've been holding on to. You need to be quick to forgive. Paul says in Ephesians, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, 
forgiving one another, not in the way that you want to, but as Christ forgave you, which, by the way, is unconditionally. The Bible says that while we were yet sitting, he paid for all your sins, died for you. That means while someone's sinning against you, you can go ahead and do like Jesus on the cross and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Hmm. Expect offense to come. Be ready. Be quick to forgive. And the third way uh, I'll share to keep your heart pure is be quick to repent. You know, I want to dispel some kind of notion that repentance is a bad thing. I think we see, you know, people standing out on the, on the street with these, the, the, they got that wild look in their eyes. You know, and you'd think they were crazy, and they got a sign that says, repent or burn. Anybody ever seen one of those? I saw a crazy sign this week. I was driving home. He was up by Walmart. He probably, you probably saw him. He's, he had a sign, and it said, uh, we'll fight your mother-in-law, name your price. And I, I laughed so hard, I gave him all the money or the cash that I had. I said, here you go, buddy. That was really funny. I don't need him to fight my mother-in-law. She's super sweet. Love you, Sue. Uh, but I just thought that was really funny. But, but, but we've seen people, these crazy people holding these signs, and so we've, we've come to believe that repentance is like a bad thing, that it's like this brute force thing, that it's a hard thing. And yeah, it might be difficult. It might be difficult. But what is repentance? It's the Greek word metanoia. It means to change your mind. It means to change your mind about something. It means to do a reversal. It means to turn 180 degrees, to turn towards something else. That's what repentance is. If you were to ask me, I think it's a systematic restructuring of every area of your life and turning it towards God. That's what it is. That repentance is literally taking, taking your life and making it like your living room or even like this room. Everything in it is pointing at the stage, one thing. Everything in your living room, it points at one thing. It's the TV, right? We need to organize our lives. And I say a systematic process because repentance happens over time as the Holy Spirit deals with those issues in your life. As he put, puts his finger on those sin issues, he is the one who will lead us and guide us. It's not shame that leads us to repentance, to actually changing our minds. No, in the Bible it says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Repentance is a good thing. Repentance says, the way I've been going is wrong. God's way is best, so I'm going to turn towards his way. You can do that financially. You can do that spiritually. You can do that every way. You can do that relationally. In fact, you can do that. You can repent to God, but you can also repent to each other. I had to do this uh, a couple weeks ago with my wife. We were out in a social situation. I misbehaved. I didn't like how I behaved, actually. And I went to her, and I apologized, and I said, I don't want to ever treat you like that again in public. He said, what'd you do? None of your business. None of y'all's business. And I apologized to her. I asked her forgiveness, and I said, in those situations, I will not do that again. Repentance, it changed my mind. We can do that. We can do that with God. We can do that with each other. Be quick to repent. Be open to it. Ask God to show you, hey, what are the sins in my life? Pray like David did. If there's any offensive way in me, show me. Show me, and I'll turn from it. Turn every area of your life and point it Towards him. And understand that I am, not, I am very well aware that re repentance will require your surrender. And surrender sometimes looks like sacrifice. Sometimes you got to give up how you feel. Sometimes you got to give up your rights in that situation in order to gain what he has for you. Sometimes. Sometimes it means doing something that you're not really comfortable with doing. Sometimes. 
Repentance is not a bad thing. Maybe a hard thing, but it's not a bad thing. Paul said, said this in, uh, in Romans 2, 3 through 4, and, and this is about repentance. This is the message paraphrase, and I really love it. He said, you didn't think, did you, that just by pointing your fingers at others, that would distract God from seeing all your misdoings and from coming down on you hard? Or did you think that because he's such a nice God, he'd let you off the hook? Better think this one through from the beginning. God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Man, that's what repentance does. <laughs> he leads you. And it's a life that will be completely re- transformed if you'll repent. Friends, what I'm telling you today is that there is more for you. There's more to this Christian life than just fire insurance. There's a full and fulfilled life. There's more of God that you can experience. You want to be a person who is experiencing all that God has for you? Be a person in pursuit of purity. Be a person who delights in God's pleasure. Be someone who longs for his presence. Be someone who maintains the pure heart that he's given you. Be quick to believe. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to repent, even if it costs you something. Be quick. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll experience all God has for them. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would look into our hearts. We are people that have walked through this life, and there's been people that have hurt us, people that have have uh, caused us to distrust and to disbelieve. But Lord, we pray today that the doubts that we have in our hearts about who you are and about what you intend for us and about what you have and about this journey, Lord, we pray that you would replace those doubts as we confess them with faith. Faith to believe that you are good, that you have good things for us, that your ways are best and better for us, and that there is a blessing that comes on the other side of it, even if we can't understand how. God, may we be people who forgive others for the wrongs that they've done. Actually, may we, may we even be people that preposition ourselves on a daily basis as we submit to you and say, God, I'm going to go ahead and just choose to pre-forgive everybody that sins against me today. May we be a people who are ready to protect our hearts in that way, to forgive even the person who has hurt us in the worst way that we cannot understand. And may we be people who repent and turn fully towards your ways, trusting in you. May we be people, Lord, that submit ourselves to you, asking you to search us, to cleanse us, to put in us a clean heart and a right spirit. Show us your everlasting ways that lead to the life you have designed for us. God, let us be people, a people of faith, a people who forgive, and the people who repent. Lord, we love you today, and we ask that you do this work in us. Now, as we continue in this moment of prayer, that we have head bowed and every eye closed, there are those of you that, that, man, you need to be on the beginning of that journey that I talked about, that moment where God wipes the, the slate of your life clean and gives you a brand new start. You're ready for a new beginning. You're ready to receive a pure heart, be filled with his spirit, and to walk with him know him intimately as a friend and as your heavenly father and if you're ready to do that all it takes is a choice 
you decide today is the day I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to trust that his ways are better. I'm going to do it imperfectly, and that's okay. And you're going to walk with us and let us walk with you. So if you're ready to, to experience all that Jesus has for you, we're going to pray a prayer in a moment, and all I'm asking you to do is to join us in that prayer. In fact, I'm just asking, would you let me know? I'm, I'm the one looking around right now. Would you let me know that you're in? Would you just slip up your hand and say, Aaron, I'm, I'm in for that today. Would you do that now? So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? So I'm in for that. Thank you. Today's your day. Today's a new start. And we're going to celebrate that with you in a moment. Church, everybody, let's pray together. If you're praying at home and you're joining us either by podcast or live right now online, you can pray this prayer with us as well. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Make me brand new. Give me a pure heart. And help me to keep it pure. I trust you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, the Bible says that today you made that confession. The heavens are having a party. Simple Church, celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today. Come on. Now listen, if you made that decision, whether you... Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.